<laughs> we are, yeah, we're recording. So, um, hi, uh, DNR Community Spotlight episode something five, six, one of those. Um, I'm here with Travis. Hi. Hi. I guess I'm supposed to call you Travis. That's your name on the Discord. So. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I mean, with the the DNR community, it, it's I, I've been around long enough now. I guess I don't know. I, I'm usually pretty stickler on like my online handles until I get into a community. It's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I noticed you have another Discord name, like in this little Discord channel, like Dongaria or something like that. Oh, Dorgaria. That's Dorgaria. Uh, like, like my standard kind of. Uh, my my go-to handle on most stuff. So if okay. you see me running around as Dorgaria, that's probably me. Okay, that makes sense. So um, we're going to go through the questions here, and uh, some of these are the same, and some of them I kind of traded out. Um, and Surprises, I, okay. Yeah, well, no, I didn't trade them out on you. I traded out oh, over okay. what I normally do, because I've had like a stock first four or five questions, and I, mm. switched, I switched some of them up for this time, because... Mm-hmm wasn't getting the best answers on some of them. So um, <laughs> anyway, the first one is the same as everybody else has had. Uh, when and how did you find Dungeons of Randomness? Oh, let's see. DNR. Um, uh, so that actually, the, I, I guess the short answer is I started listening to DNR about oh, in the 80s, I think. I, I remember it was... Bree was dragging Una's body back, and um, they they cast gentle repose on her. It was that episode. Okay. That is, uh, yeah. Um, but it was like I I, j- I was just kind of starting getting into podcasts and stuff like that. But it also kind of coincided with I was just finally getting into D and D and things like that. So I, I've kind of gotten into D and D later in life. Uh, but I wanted to, it's like, well, what are other people doing? I know these are going to be, like, professional and things like that, but what can I, like, what's the high end that I can expect? And I kind of ran into DNR. Okay, so just like a, a podcast search for Dungeons & Dragons, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yep, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. a lot of us found it that way, so <laughs> totally makes sense. Um, so you listened to that episode, and then how long did it take you to kind of get hooked on the show? Was there something that did it for you? Uh, kind of the same thing that I do with any type of new show or uh, album or really anything new that I kind of start. I always give it two, three, four episodes, uh, sessions, whatever, to, to see what I think of it. Uh, and what what Jason and the crew had going at that point was, yeah, okay. And then I think I went back and I listened to it all the way forward. Yeah, I gave it probably three or four episodes before I decided to say, yeah, I like this. Okay, and that was basically, like, probably that was the point where almost all the episodes were group three at that point. Like, there was a good, solid, um, like... It's... I think it, it, it did hit a couple of different groups. But okay. I want to say... Group four was not around yet, or they had just come out. Yeah, I, I, 
I'm having trouble remembering right when it, that it's happened. It's been so long. Yeah, I mean, the show's I, been on for what did, he, what did Jason say the other day? Seven years, something like that. Yeah, uh, I, I think, I think they, I've been listening for like five or six of it. So yeah, yeah. I think Group Four didn't they debut in episode 100? I think. I think so. so that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, and there, but there was a part where like Group Three recorded like over and over and over and over oh, again. God, yeah. So was, yeah. <laughs> like 30 sessions in a year or something like that. I don't, I don't remember. I'm making numbers up, but it was um, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, new question here. Do you have a favorite group uh, like ABC one, two, three, four, or um, favorite characters on the show? Either one. <laughs> uh, I, I kind of enjoy all of them. Uh, I don't have any one necessarily specific group. Uh, while they were recording, for the, ignoring the players oh, over the characters, just the characters, I really enjoyed Ironhide the character, even though there was all the, the, the stuff that happened behind the scenes with the player. The, the character, like, I always like, yeah, yeah, get to do that. I mean, for the most part, yeah, I'd do that. Maybe not necessarily <laughs> for the reasons that he did that, or that the player did that, but, you know. Um, yeah. Also, uh, Cole was also a, a really fun character that I kind of enjoyed. Well, fun, but he was a character I really enjoyed. Um, we probably have the most opposite opinions of characters. <laughs> <laughs> Those are like two characters that I like I... would skip through their dialogue on a re-listen. I think I so. I I am like the epitome of devil's advocate. I, right. I like I don't have any necessarily one thing that I always kind of gravitate to or latch onto that I really enjoy, or, or that I enjoy over others. But there's ones that I probably identify more with, and, and that'd be like Cole and Ironhide. Okay, um, sounds great. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm I, not that much of a prick, but uh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, definitely some controversial characters there. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I. I don't remember. I think it was Ken that nominated you, but I'm not 100% sure. Oh, God, I don't I, even know. I, I, I think I you think got it listed here somewhere, don't you? I I thought I did, but I didn't list it for Ken's episode, and I think it was Ken, I but I think it's because you've been around for a long time, and oh. then <laughs> also because you were in the Patreon group um, until oh, yeah, yeah. pretty recently, right? So. Oh, oh um, God, it's been it's been almost a year since I was in the Patreon group, but yeah. Yeah. Time goes um, quick, man. Yeah, I know. I remember um, you and the Sheiks, like, talking in the Discord about burning temples and stuff, <laughs> and I actually think that... It still comes up. <laughs> yeah, I think it came up in a video, that video that Jason and Bree posted today, their oh, meeting it? that oh, they had. No. Yeah, because they were talking about um, selling drugs and then burning a temple down or something. That would have been my character, yes. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> so um, can you describe your experience with the Patreon group? So how did, <laughs> how did you get into it? Were you like an initial well, member of that group? or? I, I, I was, actually. When, when, the, when the Patreon game shifted over to uh, $100 tier, basically, Yep. Uh, I was uh, in the initial group that started with that. Uh, a bunch of us. Um, I played Larkin Bear Charger. Was and well, I guess was because he's dead now. Uh, was the only wild sorcerer in all of the, all of the Therias. 
<laughs> okay. For better um, or worse. And I think there was an interesting, like, mechanical thing you came up with, right, to make that work. I read a little bit about this last week, I think. Something with the Rod of Wonder, right? Uh, well, what I did for, because I was, when I, so, uh, like I mentioned before, was I, I, I'm, in terms of, like, some of the, some of the people in uh, the D&D and the DDR community, or at least some of the older people, I, I've, I'm, fairly new to D&D. I mean, I've only been DMing for uh, about three years, and I've only been playing about four or five. Uh, but Larkin was essentially my very first like, serious character. Okay. And I, I kind of worked him, like, uh, coming into the Patreon games, like, he was the only one that I really knew how to play. So I was like, well, how could I get him into Theria? Okay, well, Group 2 was in Brightport. They had the Rod of Wonder. Uh, my character was always, he was, if he hadn't become a sorcerer, he was going to be a rogue. Kind of like that, that, that shifty kind of guy. Um, okay. He ended up, for his backstory, for Ther his Therian backstory, was he snuck into what is now a House Dragon's Keep, uh, attempted the steal of Rod of Wonder, chickened out as he was about to grab it, but essentially like, got a splinter of it. Yeah, like basically like stuck in his hand. Okay. Uh, yeah, and that's pretty much how he became a wild sorcerer. It, it took him a little while to get what little bit of control he had, but yeah. Okay, is that a thing that like I know you had to like meet with Jason and talk about characters and stuff. So like, did you is that the idea that you pitched to him, or did you come up with that together, kind of, or? That was something I kind of pitched to him, but that was also the very first Patreon, well, the, the very first revamp Patreon group. I don't know if he's still doing it the same way, but it was a lot more like, well, yeah, give me a backstory. And, and I think it was more like, yeah, that could work. And he, we kind of ran with it. And because it's more like an alternate universe Theria, or Theria 2, they, we get away with a few things that you wouldn't be able to get to on the main show. Right. Like, I don't think the wild magic sorcerer would ever make no, it on the show right no, not at all oh god so, no. um especially how, now that we've seen now that he's seen how it runs yeah so um like wild magic sorcerer is pretty like dm dependent mechanically right like it comes down to how often they make you roll the dice and things like that sometimes i just so, always rolled it okay like I, every I spell cast you rolled it basically yeah i just automatically rolled it on my own uh, okay. Because I've played Wild Sorcerer so long, and I, I like to take things off the DM whenever I can. So if it's yeah. just like a flat D twenty, I'll go. Boop, yep. Yeah, yep. that makes sense. Yep. And like, there's usually not a ton of combat in like DNR games, right? Okay. So if you didn't roll it every time, maybe nothing fun would ever happen, just probability wise. Right. Uh, he, uh, my character also tended to use uh, Wild Sorcerer has what is it, Tides of Chaos or something like that. Yep. Gives them advantage, but causes a surge the next time he casts. And I, oh, let's see. I was in the Patreon game for a little over a year, right about a year, year and a half. And I think I used Tides um, three times, maybe four. Okay. Um, and so then. You have to cast a lot, but yeah. Yeah, so. Do you want to talk about the, the end of your run on the Patreon group? <laughs> um, 
Well, it was going to be my last session with the group either way. Uh, I because real life kicked in and I changed jobs and I couldn't afford it anymore. Yeah. I'd let Jason know like a month before. Like, well, I, I I can't go. I can't play anymore. I got this many sessions left. Or whatever. Um, the very last session. Uh, Theria two. We had gotten our hands on the Bella Vecna. Uh, we took it to a temple of Moradin, I believe it was. Uh, handed it over to the clerics. Uh, the temple of Cord found out. Uh, and they were arguing. And Larkin decided, well, they don't. They, th there's enough going on here. I mean, they, we could probably, if they can't handle this, we can probably make more money off this thing somewhere else. And okay. he tried to steal it. And he almost got away with it. <laughs> uh, snuck into the vault unseen because he shrunk himself. Uh, and as he was sneaking out, basically kind of rang the bell by mistake. Just like physically rang the bell. Didn't like channel or anything like that. But they okay. noticed him. And he went to cast... Oh, what was it? Blindness. He went to blind the two guards on the vault. And it kicked off a wild surge. And Jason had, at the time, a custom wild surge table. <laughs> we rolled it. And... The, oh, God, I'd have to go back and listen to the recording. But I remember there being, like, a couple of seconds of just dead silence. <laughs> Before it was like... One, D, four fireballs <laughs> in your area. Okay. Not, not on you, but in your area. And then we rolled for the level, and they ended up being, I think, level seven fireballs, and there were four of them. Oh, yeah. That Inside sounds great. Inside the temple. Uh, most of the clerics and most of the, the temple staff was dead instantly. Uh, I was... It, the the damage on the one or the the damage was so high, even if I had saved it, I was unconscious. At at best, I was unconscious. At worst, I was dead, and I think I was unconscious. But I was also backing around behind a corner, and they they never even got to me at all. Sadly, it also took out two other characters, uh, Dashiks and uh, Nathan the English Theron. Uh, it took up both of their characters, sadly. Uh, and that was my last session. Uh, yeah. I managed to kill off 90% of the temple. Uh, we actually rolled to see how many clerics survived, and I want to <laughs> say it was three. Okay, uh, wiping out religion. That's great. <laughs> and, and I've talked to the group since then, and they basically spent the next calendar year <laughs> in that town. I think they just finally left that down like a month or two ago because it kicked off so much other stuff. <laughs> I felt horrible. Yeah, that is uh, it's definitely worse. Like I think in the books, Wild Magic Table, like isn't the worst thing that can happen that you drop a fire a fireball on your head. Uh, the, so. uh, the the D&D &D community, from what I've seen, collectively says if you roll, what is it, like a 7 or an 8 or something like that, you, basically you drop a level 3 fireball on yourself. 
Yeah. Uh, and if you're a low level, that's that's death. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I know. Um, I think one of the little games that I ran at like Christmas or something, somebody played a wild magic sorcerer. I'm like, oh, this stuff isn't that terrible unless you roll this number. Uh, uh, um, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> coincidentally, that's also the last time I was actually a player in a D&D game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that's hard uh, to top that. So it is. Yeah. Uh, I actually got. And I was saying it for months before because there was all kinds of stuff like my character was arrested for, uh, he was framed for murder for like two or three sessions before that. So there was like three or four months where I basically, my character sat in prison. And that was it. <laughs> and it sucked. <laughs> and uh, coming up to that, I was basically, I continually said like, if, if Larkin dies, A, I'm not playing him anymore. And B, I'm getting him in bronze, and and I did. I, I got him in bronze. I went on Hero Floors. I got him in bronze. I spring spring the extra money for it. And I still have him sitting on my computer. I did somewhere in a baggie. <laughs> that is cool. So um, I think some of these next questions uh, we probably already hit on, but we'll, we'll clean them up just a little bit anyway. So <laughs> okay, we know a little bit about your history with gaming. It goes back mm. um, three or oh. four years. You said um, what was the first game you got into? Um, let's see. The very first, I guess, the, the history with, what is your history with tabletop gaming? Um, the very first game I was actually able to play in was on Roll20. Uh, I, I ended up hunting it down. It was a guy starting up a new group. And I think it ran maybe three sessions before the DM's like, oh, I can't do this, and quit. <laughs> uh, the next group I played with uh, was a friend of mine that I, I still talk to every now and then uh, that we played for about a year and a half. And I played my uh, my Wild Sorcerer in that game for a long time. Uh, and then after that, or as that started to end, I started DMing. And that was three, four years ago, something like that, that I've been, or about three years ago, a little under, that I've been DMing now. Okay. Uh, and... and that pretty much got the bug in me. It's like, yeah, I've realized, like, no, I like gaming a lot more. <laughs> yeah, uh, most most of my experience has been DMing, too, because I've pretty much been like, oh, I want to do this. And it's much easier to do it if I've... you're in DM games. Yeah, I mean, so... yeah, I've come to realize it be between, A, the, the, the way the game runs anyway, and B... Having the internet at my fingertips, if you want to run a D or if you want to play in a D and D game, if you're the DM, it's almost like Field of Dreams. If you run it, they will come. Yeah, <laughs> it feels very much like being a tank in an MMO or something. It's like oh yeah, instant yeah, tank cues, or a healer. Yeah, ready to go. Yeah, ready to go. Um, so yeah, that's and then um, I looked at a, a little bit of this today, and we've been talking about it in the Discord, but um. What are you currently DMing? Um, I think you got two campaigns going right now. Like, what are those about? And then, um, are there any challenges you've had to face? And what did you do to solve them? And when I wrote that, I was kind of thinking about um, some issues you were having with the the dungeon group a few weeks ago, oh, and like okay. taking forever to get through different <laughs> levels and like checking every single room and things like that. And, well, that. The, the, that's that's almost two questions uh, be, right. just because of everything 
but yeah let me tackle the first part currently okay uh i have a homebrew game that i'm running that we've been running uh it's been pretty much the same it's been the same core group the same three or four people for the since i started dming um and we've had a couple people kind of drop in and drop out just kind of like as life happens uh what do we got to shakes um nathan english english therian uh and a couple of other listeners that aren't necessarily in the uh, the uh, the not the kickstarter the discord uh, in the in the discord yeah uh, Jane, uh, Hanway actually, uh, joined up. She's been playing with me for about the last six months to a year or something like that. Okay. As a little um, preview for people, I think Jane is my next interview. So. <laughs> She's a nice lady. Okay. Um, that game's been, uh, basically about every January, I kind of put it up to a vote for the players. Uh, if we want to continue in the same setting or start new characters, change to a new setting, do something new, that kind of thing. I always kind of put it up to the players. Especially like if I start to feel like I'm getting a burnout, I'll put it up to them. Hey, do you want to keep going? Or do we want to change? And so far we've changed about every, right about every January. Uh, but uh, we, I, I run the game in a setting called Midgard. It's made by Kobold Press. Uh, yeah, really awesome setting. Uh, they just put out the five E setting update for the book, and it's like five hundred pages. It's insane. Uh, yeah, I was I was looking at that because they have a Kickstarter right now for like uh, ghouls and stuff. Yes. Yeah, I'm on that too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I devour like everything they have for the Midgard setting. I devour it because it, it's just it's just so cool. Uh, other games I'm running. Uh, I'm also running. Uh, Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Uh, I do that. So I run my homebrew game on Sundays. Uh, we alternate on Sundays. And then on Saturdays, uh, we just changed to alternating Saturdays where I'm running Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Uh, I've tweaked the setting on the Mad Mage, so it's also in Midgard, so that way if the players decide, uh, F this, uh, we're done. <laughs> Let's go out <laughs> and adventure like normal people. It's right. still in Midgard as well, so at least that way I still know the setting. Okay. Um, I'm actually getting ready to run uh, a game in the Cypher system. Uh, a lot of people know it as like Numenera or The Strange, but it's gonna be, it's a slightly different setting. It's called Gods of the Fall. <clears throat> Excuse me. Where you essentially like like uh, the, the the gods on Mount Olympus. Mount Olympus crashed into the ground, destroyed the world. And divinity has spread throughout the world, and now you are a reborn, essentially you're a demigod, regaining your divinity. Uh, and that's going to be the players. It's a lot more, it's a lot more role-playing focused, and it puts a lot of emphasis on um, player ingenuity. Uh, they get bonuses for doing creative things, stuff like that. Yeah, I have been interested in the cipher system. The one that like everybody seems to be talking about online right now is the Invisible Sun. I don't know if you've looked at that at all, hmm. um, but it's like a new system from Monty Cook. But it comes in this giant box, oh, and it's like yeah. 
$250 for this giant box. I do remember seeing that. I didn't look into it too much, but I saw it. I was like, yeah, that's too much for me. <laughs> yeah, I think it's too much for me too, but um, I've heard really great things about this game and uh, the setting and stuff. So It's funny, the very first game I ever actually DM'd was a pre-made little one shot at the beginning of the module i don't remember which uh in the cypher system in in the the, the, the strange setting which is kind of like the sliders it's kind of cool <laughs> if you like that parallel worlds physics changes that kind of thing uh check out the strange cool yeah i've i have a numenera starting set and <laughs> i i planned on running it and it didn't happen so i've there I made was the summer so there, there was a bundle of holding, uh, oh god, two years back, something like that, that they did on the Cipher system. So I got all kinds of books on the Cipher system. Uh, if you've never checked it out, bundle of holding is awesome. Uh, it, it's almost like a humble bundle, but for role playing games. Yeah, I've seen a couple of things. I know what happened is I found it like a couple months after what I wanted was on there. So because mm -hmm. <laughs> I think like this. February or January was Numenera stuff. I'm like, oh crap, oh, I, missed I missed that. Yeah. yeah, I missed that too. So, but I did, I did go on the Kickstarter for like the Numenera 5e conversion. So, huh. that's part of my plan for next year because I think yeah, it comes cool. out in like April next year. So, yeah. we'll see. Um, uh, yeah. So, I don't know yeah. if you want to try to talk about the second. Part of that if there's like a challenge that oh. <laughs> had to... uh challenges i've had to face what did i do um so over the years of dming or over the few years of dming uh, i mean you always have those problem players or players that don't mess with your game um the that the ones where it's like i'm sorry where it's just really hard to kind of like sit down and say you're not working out it's not us it's you kind of thing yeah i've had that uh we had a player in uh my core group now uh the first year that we ran we ran a midguard setting and when we got went to get change settings or we went to change games it was like okay well this works as a perfect break point and i kind of had to set him down i was like well look I, I i don't know if this is the game you're wanting to play uh and i actually dreaded over that for months <laughs> yeah it feels like you're like firing somebody at work or something it right does. Like, and it's really rough well it, it's even worse than that it's i don't know at least with like firing somebody from work it's like well that i i'm very good at separating uh, business from pleasure kind of thing right and yeah that was that was rough because it was the that was the first player that i've had to ask to leave and it was more I'm very much, D&D &D is a game. If everybody at the table is not having fun, that's the only time you're doing it wrong. Yep. It's also, the DM should still have fun. If the DM's not having fun, you're doing it wrong. That's it. Uh, and he was very much cutting into my fun. It would just stress me out thinking about him. Uh, more eventually, I broke down and I asked him, "Like, hey, I, 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 I do wish you the best of luck. I just don't think this is the game for you." Um, more recently, you mentioned it before, but uh, my Dungeon of the Mad Mage game, 
had a player that, or well, have a player. He's gotten better. Uh, slowly. Um, uh, my, something that I've come to realize is between 4th edition and a lot of modules, especially like Dungeon of the Mad Mage, you're more um, combat-heavy modules yep. tend to attract almost, kind of like that four, the way 4E was kind of built. It, it really was designed more to attract like your video gamers, your MMO types that want to explore every inch of everything, do all the side quests, do 100% completion before they move on. I've got one player. <laughs> I won't mention their name. I've got one player that it's... <laughs> I, I hear about it afterwards because they have uh, they, they, they have somebody that, or one of the other players in the game sits with them or at least in the, the same house. And I'll hear about it from the other players. I was, I was telling them, I was telling them to stop or to move on, do this and this and this. It's like, I just offer tips. It's like, hey, I, I, I'm very. I've always been very good at giving, uh, not to, not instruction or not direction, but kind of like guidance. Uh, like I'll kind of take feedback. It's like, well, what are you trying to do? What do you want to do? What do you think about this? And I'll give kind of tips or advice. If they don't want to do it, I can't force them to. It's their player, their character. Uh, but no, I, I've given that player kind of little tips, uh, little tricks, things to keep in mind for their, their play. And we'll see where they go. <laughs> yeah, I have a little Dungeon of the Mad Beach experience because I bought that and I got all the maps and stuff. And oh, uh... It is just the first floor. The module starts at level five. Yeah, I I counted at least like five or six ways that the at least one character, if not the whole party, can die on the first floor. Yeah, I it's it's insane. My discovery so far is that it's not very exciting for a ten year old. So mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> she's like, uh, it's more dungeon, more rooms, more monsters, yeah. more like she's not yeah, really you, into the combat f- game. Yeah, for for a younger kid, I'd probably go something more along the lines of maybe if they want to get more into the role play, something probably something a little bit more open, like Storm King's Thunder. Yeah, we um, yeah we played. I can't even remember the name of it. The the first one of the Dragon Horde stuff. Um, I don't know. Oh, we played. Um... Lost Minds, Lost, uh, Lost Minds of Fandelver, or something like that. Well, we played that, and then we moved that into the, uh, not the Rise of Tiamat, but the one before that. I bought both Horde of those. Of the Dragon Queen. Yes, we played Horde of the Dragon Queen, and both of those were fine because okay. we're like out in the story, out in the world, and we can do mm-hmm. kind of silly stuff, and she likes that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I tried to move to this Mad Mage thing, and we haven't done a lot of it yet. But um, I've got some ideas to break it up a little bit. Um, the one so thing far. I have noticed on Dungeon of the Mad Mage, uh, each floor, uh, without going into like spoiler details, each floor has kind of its own mini story going on. Each floor almost has like two, three, four factions uh, vying for control of that floor, and a lot. Each floor, like there, there's little tips in there for the DM of like, well, if this ha- or if A happens, then B 
uh, is a result, or if uh, group C is eliminated, then group D is going to expand in their territory, or, or group E is going to ask for help to eliminate group F, that kind of thing. Yeah. There's a lot of room for roleplay. Uh, yeah. Well, currently... Well, otherwise, it's just figuring out how to help the, the party move along the dungeon smoothly. Yeah, I think currently my plan is to, like, get them through three to five levels of it and then get them back in the world. So mm-hmm. we'll see how that goes. But uh, anyway, yeah, no, we're st- we're still on the level. We're not. We just got the level three. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, great. So I think we've talked about some of this other stuff. So let's just kind of move ahead to. Um, I think we are both Boston Terrier. Like you're not really an owner of one, but one thinks that you are, right? <laughs> so um, yes. we were talking a little bit about this before, and they're. Uh, I think they're crazy toy obsession and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, yeah you'll but, hear it every now and then in my background is she keeps bringing her bone over to me for me to throw it. I have to launch it across the room. Yeah. So we've had other dogs before, but I guess I didn't realize until like we we're six months in on this Boston Terrier and he would just bring me a toy for like five straight hours. And they just have a level of focus and energy. I don't know that I've ever seen in another dog. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Like I tease him all the time about his like one brain cell that he has and how it's like just solely devoted to his toys. Oh, but poor thing. If you had an extra brain cell, it'd be lonely. <laughs> yeah, but we have another one. We've got a second Boston Terrier, and he's uh he's not as toy obsessed yet. And I think that's because the bigger one doesn't let him play with them very often. Um, like, if he ever gets one, the other one just comes and takes it out of his mouth and runs away with it. Oh, that's that's mean. <laughs> yeah, so it's, no, I, I've got, it's fun. Let's see. I've got one. Uh, technically, I guess my girlfriend has one. Uh, yeah. The dog has adopted me as her owner. <laughs> We'll actually go to sleep at night, and the dog will climb up and, like, cuddle up against me and basically push us both off the bed. Yes. They are also cuddlers, for sure. So uh, She's super loyal. It's great. Like, I'll put her harness on when we go. She has to go for a ride with me anytime I walk out of the house. But I'll put her harness on her. Uh, I don't even really need a leash with her. She's, uh, I, uh, I guess, I don't know, bonded with me? Uh, accepted me so much she will not leave my side uh any place we go even like out and around the house and we live on a busy street with no front fence she'll go out front Mm -hmm. and stay at my side yeah i think probably our older one would never go anywhere like he has no desire to go anywhere the little one got out of the Mm -hmm. house and just took off running the other day Uh, and uh he's way faster than i thought he was and it was not easy to catch really him. Run until they want to. Yeah. Yeah. He's also uh, the older one is an amazing leaper. I don't know if your Boston can leap or not, but he'll like the mailman will come to the door and he'll go stand at the door, and I think he jumps uh-huh. like six feet in the air. It feels so, like it. Yeah. I put a picture just, on. I put yeah. a picture on the DNR Discord the other day. We were sitting out, uh, sitting out back at on the patio. And she's got an outside toy. It's like this this hard rubber duck. And I put it up on the table, and she couldn't quite jump up enough to get it. 
until she did and she was able to get her front paw she had backed up enough that her front paws got up and over the 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 table and everything and, yeah and it was waist high yeah she yeah can, he's she can uh, get up when she wants to i think oliver can jump higher than that but he's he's kind of like this just muscle bound little guy he's like 25 pounds of muscle oh yeah so. that, that's like uh it's like trixie here she just went to uh, yeah, <laughs> we kind of joke. She looks kind of like Barney Rubble. Is his shoulders and head? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think that was Boston Terrier Corner. My wife will be happy. She's she's the big Boston <laughs> lover around here, so she'll be happy. I worked in some Boston Terrier stuff. I had left question nine here just to see if there was anything else you wanted to talk about, and I don't know if there is. So, um, uh... otherwise. Not Sounds like no. No. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so do you have any uh, big things going on outside of uh, DNR? Um, any big personal life things happening that you'd like to talk about or want to talk about or share or um, things like um, that? Vacations you're headed for, something like that. God, I wish. I'm too poor for vacations. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you uh, in like Des Moines or something? Isn't that? Uh, I'm in Iowa. Uh, yes. Not Des Moines. There, there, there okay. are more towns in, Des Mo- than in Iowa than just Des Moines. Well, I know. I live in Dubuque, Iowa. So. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I, I'm over on the, the western side of the state. Uh, okay. Uh, no, a lot of it is, as I mentioned before, I changed jobs about a year ago. And okay. I went from $60,000, $70,000 a year to half that. Yeah. I'm not going on vacations for a while, (laughs) but the trade-off was I'm way happier. I'm way less stressed. I I lost 20 pounds in the first three months. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Some of that stuff sounds worth it. So yeah. Yeah. My health and happiness for half my pay. Okay. Yeah. I have looked at that. Like I commute an hour and 20 minutes one way to work currently. Um, and I looked at local jobs, but it's like, do I want to take $20,000 less to get rid it's of this a, commute? It's a and hard pay cut, yeah. It is. Uh, and so far, the answer's been no, I don't want to. So I went from working as a cable TV repair, like a satellite TV repair guy, Yep. Uh, where I was actually making a lot of money, but I was also doing 50 to 60 hours a week Yep. in four days. Every one of the guys I've ever met that does that job always looks super stressed out and also like yeah. really out of shape. So I could see <laughs> it's a high productivity and you spend most of your day driving. So, yeah. yep. Uh, and then I traded that. So I traded that where I was doing 14 to 16 hours a day uh, on the clock to or, and most of that driving to working construction uh, where. I, my morning drive is 10 minutes. My evening or my afternoon drive when all the other construction construction guys get off is 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's much better. <laughs> yes. Uh, like I said, I, I'm much happier. It's also a, it's an easy enough job that I get to uh, respond on, uh, on Discord to a lot of stuff. Uh, I, I can kind of plan a lot more my D and D types or my D and D games. I, I get a lot of times like there's a lot of just kind of downtime, or 
the, the, the work pace is not nearly as high. I've gotten scolded several times that I need to slow down at work. <laughs> yeah, so I only have, have I only have one more thing, which is um, I was driving my daughter back from piano to this, mm -hmm. and I was like, I have to record when we get there, so I have to do lullabies in the car because she still needs lullabies at 10 mm -hmm. years old. And uh, she's cool. like, why do, you, why do you have to record at 8? And I'm like, well, I scheduled it for then. It's like, well, why did you schedule it for then? Can you change it? I'm like, no, he already got his girlfriend's permission for this. And she's like, wait, permission? He needs a girlfriend's permission? This must be a serious relationship. And I was like, <laughs> she's like, are they in high school? I'm like, no, they're not in high school. No, just, so, just like, when you get older, it's just like you're in high school. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah, so, without the ease. Yeah. Yeah. She had all these questions and, and thoughts about um, girlfriends and relationships and things no it actually worked uh, out pretty nice uh for ton either tonight or tomorrow would have worked fine tonight worked yeah. out really well because she went to go watch a show uh she works for uh one of the local theater companies so she gets free comp tickets and stuff like that all the time yep uh tomorrow it was already scheduled for tomorrow anyway but uh, either way okay well i'm going to cut this off here and let you get back to uh revamping this one shot that you're working on Oh, so, yeah, yeah. thanks. Thanks for doing <laughs> this. And I think we ended up going longer than we wanted, but that happens every time. So, well, yeah, you know. All right. Thanks for coming on.